May these words of my mouth and this meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I shared with you all just two weeks ago that Epiphany is my favorite season. So I'm delighted that we get over this long span this year to continue our practice of being detectives of the divine. While many denominations may disavow or underplay our connection to some pre-Christian rituals, there is no denying the deep symbolic connection of Epiphany, this time of the manifestation of Christ and the cycles of the earth. I believe we are making a mistake if we spend too much time elevating our faith to a shiny, clean, heaven-only faith and disregard the earthy, seasonal, and deeply human elements of our tradition. It is in the earthy that we taste and see and truly experience the manifestation of God. Our Christian tradition places the celebration of the birth of Christ at the darkest time of the year. The days are the very shortest, and it is into this darkness that the light of the world is born as a human baby. As we continue following Christmas into the season of Epiphany, the days lengthen and the light grows. Here in Denver, right now, we have 30 minutes more of daylight than we did just a month ago. And that light continues its work of breaking into the world and is manifest all around us. Are we paying attention? Are we being those detectives of the divine and seeing God's hand in the world around us, in the beautiful blanket of snow, in the bulbs that are astonishingly already starting to push their way through the cold soil, in the lengthening of the days? It's particularly hard not to connect to these ideas of epiphany and seasons and signs in the days following the death of the incredible poet Mary Oliver, a poet who saw such holiness and inspiration in nature that she once found herself walking in the woods with no pen to record her observations, and so she later hid pencils in trees so that she would never be in that predicament again. On Thursday, my social media feeds took a collective break from political hand-wringing and less inspiring events, and they were suddenly filled with poetry. Friends far and wide shared their favorite lines from Mary Oliver and their deep sadness that one of America's greatest modern poets had passed. Tribute after beautiful tribute 
filled my computer screen. One author shared, Mary Oliver, the poet saint, tells us, attentiveness is the root of all prayer and reminds us that our one task as we walk the snow-crusted woods or startle to the night cry of the sky-crossing goose is learning to be astonished. And in that same vein, some of my favorite lines come from her poem, Sometimes. Instructions for living a life. Pay attention. Be astonished. Tell about it. If that's not the gospel message, I don't know what is. Pay attention. Be astonished. Tell about it. That, my friends, is epiphany in three lines. I have always liked that John's gospel does not use the word miracle. But instead, John refers to the astonishing acts of Jesus as signs. Signs are so much more relatable and accessible. Signs point to something and are not necessarily an end in and of themselves. And signs are still all around us. The wedding at Cana is the site of Jesus' first sign. And while there is no birth narrative in the Gospel of John, here we witness Mary birth her son's public ministry. Mary comes to Jesus when the wedding party has run out of wine. And in spite of Jesus' protest that my hour has not yet come, Mary turns to the servants and says the word that lead to the fulfillment of so many astonishing signs in John. Do whatever he tells you. Now, I don't know about you all, but as a mother, I'm not sure those words have ever exited my mouth to one of my children. Because I usually think I have the answer. I know what we should do in any situation. But Mary knew differently. Do whatever he tells you. And amazing and astonishing things happen in the Gospel of John when people follow Mary's advice to do whatever he tells you. Fill the jars with water, Jesus told the servants, and there was wine. Go, Jesus will tell the official, and your son will live. And he lived. Stand up, Jesus said to the paralytic. Take your mat and walk. And he walked. Lazarus, Jesus called to his friend, come out. And he came out. These are all signs. Signs that point to the grace and love of Christ. Like simple water becoming the finest wine. And not just a bit of wine. 120 to 180 gallons of the finest wine. They are signs of abundance and God's grace. 
They're signs that we are met both literally and figuratively in our need. Whether that need is to be saved from the fear and the shame of scarcity, the loss of a loved one, or diminished ability. Jesus provides signs which point to God's provision, God's compassion, and God's unending love. These signs and epiphany show us that the divine God shows up in the earthy and the ordinary. A star, river water, wine. Signs, as God, as John tells us this morning, that reveal his glory. And as with the disciples on that wedding day, draw people into a life of belief in the mysterious and the astonishing. I leave you with some other lines, which I love, from Mary Oliver's poem, Mysteries, Yes. Truly we live with mysteries too marvelous to be understood. Let me keep my distance always from those who think they have the answers. Let me keep company always with those who say, look, laugh in astonishment, and bow their heads.